All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. Head on You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go.
Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks over at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season. That will get you $5 off your order at ZephyrEpic.com. That is Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic. Check them out on all platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, whatever it is. They've got you covered for all of your trading card needs. So be sure to go check them out. Uh, my co-host, Chris Faber, is opening a pack of hockey cards courtesy of our friends at Zephyr Epic. My name is David Guadrelli. Uh, as always, Chris Faber. Technical producer is Aaron Bordado. Chris, did you pull anything nice out of that pack? Uh, nope, just one of the postcard cards. Uh, this one is for Philadelphia. Welcome to Philadelphia. Like They're cool. Yeah, those are nice looking cards. This is Lots of second, nice looking uh, cards that you can find over yeah. at Zephyr Epic. Yeah, my second last pack here, so I'm going to have to be making a uh, trip out to the folks at Zephyr Epic here and uh, keep ripping because we didn't get the Andre. Well, there's one pack left. We'll see what happens with uh, with getting that Andre Kuzmenko rookie card. But uh, how you been? It feels weird. Uh, we did three shows last week and we didn't do anything this week until Friday. Well, not doing anything is a funny way to put it since you were grinding at DevCamp. Saw you getting a lot of love on social media, which is awesome to see. The work you were doing at DevCamp was great. Uh, Look, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think we have the best prospect coverage in the market. No disrespect to anybody else. I just just think that's a fact. You were at DevCamp every day. I showed up for one day. So most of the prospect coverage is thanks to you. Uh, I'll talk goalies for about five minutes here. But let's get right into it, man. It was a busy week for you. It was a very busy week for you. You were out at DevCamp. Yes, this is our only show of the week. But people want to hear your thoughts. Let's talk about the Vancouver Canucks development camp out at UBC, ran by Chris Higgins, uh, by the way, who told us that he was going to run the gross grind with his daughter, uh, and when he had to slow down, he was going to use his daughter as the excuse for why he had to slow down. So, DevCamp, uh, you, you've written a lot about it, a lot of that is up on CanucksArmy.com now, but it's also a topic of our poll question, really good poll question that we'll get into, but I want to talk to you about sp- some specific players, and the first one, Chris, is Jonathan LeCaramacchi. Lots of question marks surrounding him this season. You know, after his draft year, real disappointment. But then he comes out, has a strong playoffs to finish his season. What do you think of him at this dev camp? Well, I think he looked a little bit better than he did last year for sure. Um, With all the traveling around and being sick and things like that, he definitely looked better at this year's camp. And yeah, you brought it up. The playoff stuff was all good to see from Jonathan LeCaramacchi. I think um, it's just he doesn't have that... In practice in these development camps, like you didn't watch him and think, wow, this guy really pops. Like this guy is a first round pick for sure. Um, he shoots the puck a ton, right? Like you got to give him credit for that. He does shoot the puck a lot. That's good. Um, often hits the net. It just doesn't, it's going to be really hard for a guy who's his size to make the transition to the NHL unless he's an elite shooter. And I think he has the tendencies of an elite shooter, but the shot really isn't at that level yet where. He's going to get there. Like, I think there are certain times last year in the playoffs where, yes, you could get pretty excited about what he was doing for sure, especially with the puck on his stick and and what he does on the power play is I still think that's the best trait in his game. It's not just his pure shot. It's more of being able to attack with shooting and passing on the power play. I think those are certain things that LeCaramacchi does extremely well. Uh, And his jump to the SHL is going to be difficult, right? He didn't dominate Al Svenskin last year. This isn't like he's going to just walk into the SHL and go score 20 goals. Like, I would be 
very excited if LeCarrie Mackey puts up more than 15 goals next year in the SHL. Like, that's where I would start to say, okay, he's back on track. He's a first-round pick. He's your top prospect, at least making an argument with him and Tom Willander at that point. But for now, looking back at everything he did last year, I don't know. I, I'm not sure where I'm at with Jonathan LeCarrie Mackey. I'm putting together my rankings right now. I'm not sure where he fits in the Canucks' uh, top prospect rankings right now because I think there's some other guys who had much better seasons and improved on what they've done, and they're still young as well. So I, I thought LeCarrie Mackey had spots throughout the week where he was pretty impressive, but as as a whole, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he was the best forward. I don't know if he was in the top three best forwards at this camp, and I mean, you you really want your 15th overall pick from last year's draft to be one of the top three forwards at this camp. I just, I didn't, I, I can't with confidence say that he was a top three forward at this development camp. And I mean, it's not like this camp was stuffed full of great forwards. You would kind of expect uh, LeCarrie Mackey to be one guy who stuck out. I just didn't think that he did this past week. I know who one of those guys is going to be. It's Christian Fitzgerald, but who is your top three forwards? Like, like if you had to rank the top three forwards at this camp, who are you saying? I think Christian Fitzgerald was one of the top three. Yeah, you mentioned him already. I think Lucas Forcell was one of the top three, and I think Josh Bloom would be the other one. I think mm. those three were the best throughout drills, the way they handle the puck, the way they make Because it, it's so hard to evaluate a de- like development camp. I get that. You're not getting a full view of how they participate in games, what they're like under pressure, making quick decisions, all those things. That's why Yanni Yermo looks so good. He's got a lot of really good skills, but as soon as those split-second decisions start coming at him, you know, that's when it starts to struggle a little bit. But I, I really liked Lucas Forcell. I thought he was strong in all the drills. I thought he was strong in the scrimmage. I think he was the best forechecking forward throughout all the scrimmage. He made it very hard on defensemen to move the puck out of their own zone. And, and I think Josh Bloom, just he just looks the part. And he's the type of player where something you can take away from drills is how they make passes, how they receive passes. And when the puck hits their stick, is it soft? Like, is it soft? Are they able to receive a pass like an NHL-level player could? There's a lot of them that couldn't. Uh, I, I think that's actually one thing LeCarrie Mackey does pretty well. He does have good hands at receiving passes, but Josh Bloom had a good look to him of uh, being a combination of size, skill, some strength throughout the scrimmage, and really, like, the pass he made, uh, we'll get to the highlights here in a little bit. We can even just run them on the side if you want there, Aaron. But, I mean, this, like, Josh Bloom looks like he's ready for that jump to pro hockey, and I'm I'm excited to see what he looks like with Abbotsford next year. And the pass you're referring to was the saucer pass that he made to Jonathan LeCaramacchi to tie up the scrimmage 2-2. The thing about it, and those watching the YouTube live show will see it, those on the podcast have hopefully already seen it because you also read Canucks Army, but the thing about that play in particular, Chris, that made me go, okay, was the fact that he created space along the wall for himself the way you would expect a pro-level player to do. I, I don't want to say he, he did it at an NHL level because it was against right. uh, a defenseman who's not in the NHL, but I think you at least saw enough last season and in this development camp from Josh Bloom to say, yeah, you know what? Kind of what you've been projecting and what we've been saying for the past couple months that, yeah, he's going to play in the AHL next season and he might be an option as a bottom six call-up option For the Vancouver Canucks, he might be an option next season. At the very least, he's a good prospect to have, especially when you gave up Riley Stillman to get him. Bloom is standing out in this prospect pool, and I'm happy to see it. I'm happy to see it. Friend of the show, good guy. Good guy, that Josh Bloom coming on the show. But but back to that goal, because we're about to see it here. Um, he, He creates the space along the wall for himself, and that's just something that is not super easy to do. And and it's right there, that play that he made. 
um, little toe drag, hard on the forecheck. Again, everybody's creaming their jeans about Zach Benson, uh, that mm. clip at development camp, right? So, you know, the fact that uh, Josh Bloom was able to do this at the Canucks development camp, give Josh Bloom some love, folks. Give Josh Bloom some love. Yeah, you know what? He's giving me very similar vibes to what Archie Baines did throughout camp. I think that Archie Baines last year, his development camp, he was someone that we were talking about as being like consistent on every single day, being able to show up every single day, make all the plays, and then have a couple of really nice ones that stick out. And we saw that with Josh Bloom. That saucer pass was just tremendous. And then he ends up scoring the game winner in overtime as it's running right now on the YouTube channel here. Uh, so good for him to have a nice little cap on the week, uh, score, you know, assists a very beautiful primary assist on the tying goal and then gets the winner in overtime. I just think that, yeah, like you, you want that guy to steal the show a little bit in the scrimmage. You want him to be like, Hey, I'm here. I'm going pro next year. Jeremy Carlton's out there watching him, you know, get a little bit of ice time for him. And I did, I loved that Josh Bloom brought it up to us in the media like, he took away a lot from Archie Baines speaking to the prospects. And I think we should touch on that for a second because we've had Archie Baines on the show. You've talked to him in person as well. He's not a big, outgoing, huge personality. I think you would probably categorize him more as kind of a shy type of player or a player that doesn't really have to be the loudmouth. So to hear him go up and speak in front of the prospects, I was very impressed that he went up and did that. And Josh Bloom brought it up in the fact that you know, he's going through a similar road right now, a very similar situation. I know he wasn't a WHL leading scorer like Baines was, but Bloom was a top-line guy. He was a captain in the O. He, he gets it, right? He gets it. He was a top-line guy, and is going to have to change his game in pro hockey. It, I thought it was really cool to see Archie Baines go in there and do that. And listen, Baines is 22 years old. There's a, a handful of guys at this camp are older than him <laughs> and, and have played at a higher level than him. He's telling their story, but I think what he did – kind of telling some of the prospects, hey, like, this jump to the HL, it's not easy. Here, here's what it is. And it wasn't a wasn't him telling people the way that Ryan John, like, the way that we heard about it. Um, it wasn't him telling them, telling him you have to do this. It was just him sharing his story. Because you can look at Archie Baines and say that was a very successful season for him last year. The way he finished the year, he was one of the top players in the AHL for that team. So for him to share his story and probably go out of his comfort zone a little bit, I think you got to give some praise to, to Archie Baines for what he just did at uh, development camp. Okay, the defenseman. Uh, Elias Pettersson, Tom Willander, we saw them as a pairing. I, I saw Karan in the chat already talking about he's excited to see that for Team Sweden at the World Juniors. What did you think of those two in particular? There's some other defensemen we'll get to as well. Obviously, Akito Rose, Cole McWard, the NHL guys, if you will. Uh, Elias Pettersson, Tom Willander, what did you think? Yeah, I thought one of them was the best defenseman at camp. I think it was Elias Pettersson. I think it, he just looks the part. He's got that big body, moves the puck well. Nobody really wanted to kind of get around the net with him in the scrimmage. And I thought that was kind of just interesting. I just, I think he's a very strong kid. Like, I really do think Pettersson has put on a lot of weight, specifically from when you saw him at development camp last year. You're like, okay, like, there's some height there, a little bit of size. This year, it was like, oh, no, like, he is... He's filled up. He, he's built now. Like, uh, Elias Pettersson is, is now a big guy. He's ready to go back to the SHL, eat up a lot of minutes. I thought he was the best defenseman throughout camp. Tom Willander, like, there was definitely flashes where you're just, even, like, from the very first thing they did on the ice was that little kind of they got tethered up to something they had to skate in a straight line just to kind of test their speed or something. You saw that, and you're like, oh, like, yeah, this, this guy has a great stride, moves extremely well. Um, I, I think Elite Prospects calls it the four-way mobility. Like, that was something that was very impressive with Willander, the way that he's able to move side to side, skate backwards, also forwards. He is he is a tremendous skater. I thought that there was times where his hands didn't really show extremely well in camp. 
Uh, but he's 18. He's got a lot of time to develop. And I think, you know, working on controlling the puck and working on dealing with the smaller ice, this, this move to the NCAA is going to be great. As for the World Juniors, like Tom Willander didn't get an invite to the Summer Showcase, right? He didn't get invited to that. That Summer Showcase is normally uh, an expanded roster from what you're going to end up seeing at the World Juniors anyways. Like there's going to be cuts from what you see from this World this summer showcase that starts in two weeks' time as of today, actually, uh, which is very nice. But I, I just think I, I would love to see it, right? Like, I'd love to see Willander be, you know, the defenseman that plays with Elias Pettersson because Elias Pettersson is going to be on the World Junior team for sure. I have a feeling he could be the top-pairing guy and absolutely is going to be the number one penalty killer for Sweden at this upcoming World Juniors. I, I don't think Willander's a lock, unfortunately. I, I'm rooting for him to make the team. It would be great for us to cover another Canucks prospect that you want him to be there. I just don't know... You know, the fact that he wasn't invited, Axel Sandin Pelica was invited to the uh, summer showcase. So that kind of tells you where uh, Will Lander is kind of looked at from Sweden right now on their depth charts when it comes to the World Juniors. And they have a lot of options on the right side. So it's not a lock. It's not a lock to see Will Lander play with Pedersen. It's not a lock to even see Will Lander at this year's World Juniors. I'd love to see it. Uh, and I did see a comment earlier. Was it uh, Jesse asking about the NCAA stuff? That's that's not a worry. The team just needs to allow him to leave for like two weeks of a time uh, and go to this World Juniors. So uh, we'll see what happens. I'd love to see it. I just I think he's an outside shot right now. If, if you know, listen, I'd love to be positive and be all jacked up about all these guys going to the World Juniors. I'm just being honest right here. He's on the outside looking in right now for Will Ender okay. making that World Junior team. Okay. Uh, question from Karan here in the chat. Uh, DPD, uh, you talked about him being a steal here. How long do you think it is till he gets a shot with the big club? Yeah, one more year in Sweden, and then I think they'll reassess everything. And if he's comfortable making the jump to the AHL, which, listen, the, the fans love Elias Patterson, right? Like, you, you know, after practice, you'd be seeing uh, the lineup to go see Patterson. Everybody wants a shot. Everybody wants to get a photo with him. Everybody likes him. I have a feeling that you won't have to convince him that hard to come over and play in the AHL. And I think that's a good thing. I think loading up your AHL team specifically with young players is great. But here's the thing. If they're able to get the one Swedish guy to come over and be like, hey, it's great here. Like, LeCaramacki, you should come here. Like, hey, this other player in Europe, like, you should come here. Like, I think you can change the the philosophy behind, like, Europeans coming to your AHL team. The way that you're drafting, you're drafting a lot of Europeans. Why not try and make the AHL be the next step towards the NHL for you? I can see Pedersen coming after... Next season, potentially, that's that's a pretty positive thinking. He might need another more year. Uh, it's going to depend on how many minutes he plays, right? Like, if he's consistent throughout the season and you never see him as the extra defenseman, I think you could talk about him coming to the AHL or North America next year. But if he's still bouncing around and not playing, you know, a minimum of, like, 14 minutes a night and he's still sometimes the seventh defenseman or sometimes moves out of the lineup, has to play a couple J20 games maybe. Like, if we're, if we're talking about that next year, then I think you have to – wonder if he's ready if he needs another year after that but if he goes and and has at times this past year he's playing 18 20 minutes a night in the shl that's damn impressive for an 18 year old if he's doing that consistently next season you're talking about a guy who could come over here and i think could have success in the ahl very quickly okay uh we're not going to talk about every prospect here but you know hunter brusevich uh cole mcward akito hirose that's kind of the next tier Mm -hmm. one guy i want to talk about that surprised me a little bit, and I, I, I know you feel the same way. Kirill, Kirill Kudryatsev, he he was holding his own out there. And look, I, I know it was junior players he's playing with, but just his ability with the puck really 
kind of surprised me a little bit. Like I, I know he's put up numbers in the OHL, but he stood out. He stood out in a positive way, and he's someone that kind of caught my eye during this camp. But you you've mentioned it a few times. Elias Pettersson, Lucas Forsell is the other guy. They look a lot bigger than I remember. Like I was at every day of development camp last last year. They look a lot bigger than they were last year. And it might be just these kids growing because, hey, like both of them skate well. They both have grown quite a bit this year, it seems like. But Kudryatsev, that's the guy that really uh, stuck out to me. I'll say this. Lucas Forsell, I've heard he's been eating a lot of moose. And I'm, this is a legit report. He's been eating a lot of moose. I'm serious. He's been eating a I know, lot of moose I know. in Sweden. Okay, he's putting on a lot of that good, strong protein in his body. You know, have you ever seen a moose in real life? Quads? Mm-hmm. They're huge. You haven't seen a moose in real life. You haven't been camping in your life. How have you seen a moose before? I've seen a moose. You haven't seen a moose before. I've definitely seen a moose. There's no chance. Let's get Aaron. Aaron, have you seen a moose? Aaron's got uh, his camera's a little funny today, but I, I, Aaron's up there in Alberta. Have you seen a moose before in person, Aaron? <laughs> Um, I have seen a moose. Uh, fun fact, I actually hit a moose with my car once. Oh, the moose And lived you. to tell the story and was still able to drive my car. So take that for what you may. Okay. Well, that's, I think that's the rule. <laughs> when I was in Grand Prairie, the rule was if a moose is on the road, you got to avoid it. But if a deer is going, you just, you just, you got to hit it. That's what I was told in Grand Prairie anyways. I don't know if that's a, a smart way to, that's, now that I say it out loud. That was more of a Grand Prairie thing. I do most of my driving in the lower mainland, and I was still taught that, too, that if you ever see a moose in the road, you have to accelerate and try and make it go over the car. The one time I saw a moose, it was in the city of Grand Prairie, and I'm driving to work, and work started at 4 in the morning for me. So this is like, I'm up at 2.45, and I'm on the road at like 3 a.m., barely awake, get a coffee from the gas station, and I see this thing like up, like it was up into the middle of the road on a tree, like way up there. I said, oh my, it looked like an alien creature. I didn't know how big they actually were in person. Uh, which prospect did you just ask me about? Kudryasev? <laughs> uh, no, Lucas Forsell. He's eating a lot of moose. Uh, but he was, uh, I just want to get that in before I talk about Kudryasev. You you mentioned it, like you saw Lucas Forsell. When you, we talked to him last year at development camp, I mean, we're talking like the first day I met you, quads, like he had the same body type as you the day that I met you at 130 pounds soaking wet. Like, Forzell was tiny. He was tiny. He's put on a lot of muscle. Like, the exact, like, you know, people, you know, everybody's always saying that. Comments like, he needs to add muscle. They need to get bigger and stronger. Like, this dude is getting bigger and stronger. And I think it's improved his skating a little bit. I thought he moved extremely well uh, on the ice. But with Kudryatsev, listen, we've pumped his tires a lot on this show. There's a lot to like about this kid. I like the way he plays in the OHL. I like the way that he commands the puck and kind of controls the pace of play when he's on the ice. And he's only going to get better next year in the OHL. I really think that Kudryatsev has a chance to be the leading scorer out of defenseman in the OHL next year. That's a legit thing that could happen. And I thought he was strong throughout camp. He doesn't really have one skill that kind of sticks out compared to the rest. He's just, uh, you know, well above average in everything. Like, he's he's physical enough. He moves the puck strong. I think his best trait is probably, like, skating with the puck on his stick and not having to... Uh, look down at it like he's good at having his head up and being aware on the ice and I think that shows a little bit more in game footage than it does in these drills but you could just tell he he looked like he was one of the the upper echelon of what the defensemen were doing on the ice consistently and that's the big thing that I just watched through through camp and that's why I wasn't so high on LeCarrie Mackey because there's a couple days he just didn't look like a great player there's a there's one day he looked excellent I thought he was the best forward on the ice that day but 
with Kudryatsev, consistency, consistency. That's what we loved about Arshid Baines last year. That's what we loved about Josh Bloom this year. Every day they looked like the same player, and they looked like a good player. And I think Kudryatsev, he had a good camp last year, like a good main camp. If you remember him out at Whistler, like he kind of stuck. Everyone's kind of thinking, like everyone's learning how to pronounce his name out there in Whistler at the time. And and I really think, yeah, he'll be back again. He'll be at the Young Stars. He'll be eating up a lot of minutes at Young Stars. And I, I think he'll have a good main camp as well. He's not going to make the team. But he'll be back with the Sioux Greyhounds next year. And like I said, potential to be the top scoring defenseman out of the OHL. The Moose discourse is pretty strong right now. A lot of people in the chat here. Omega Primer said, I live in the North. You miss all of them. You don't hit them. Mm -hmm. So I think that's going back to what we were talking about. To be clear, I wasn't saying if you see a Moose, you should try to accelerate into it. I'm saying if you see it at the last second, you shouldn't slam on the brakes. That's at least what I was told. And I don't know. I'm saying this is a guy from the lower mainland. You're not supposed to slam on the brakes. If, if If you don't have time to react, like if you can't swerve, right? You're not supposed to slam on the brakes. You're supposed to accelerate through. At least that's what I was told. I don't know. I think, Am I wrong? No, I think moose are too big. Like, you don't want to hit a moose. You, your car will get total. I don't know what size moose Aaron hit. It sounds like it was a skinny one. Uh, but to, to have a car not hit a moose. Like, we were told with the trucks, you, you know, that's the one. You got to get out of the swerve out of that one because that's that's like hitting a brick wall hitting a moose. Ooh. Yeah, they're, they're, they're big things. Okay. Uh, Vic uh, Vilmer. Was it Vilmer Ulrichson? Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about him because that's a guy. He, he look. He had the size, six foot six. We we saw the draft pick, and we we're like, okay, this is a guy that they've picked. We see him at camp. I was impressed. I was impressed, man. Guy, guys got guys got a chance. Guys got a chance to be a player. I'll yeah, say it. he's weird because he's got he he really lacks the consistency, right? And I just touched on consistency being so important. He totally lacks that. But there are times where he just leans on his stick the right way and the puck explodes off of his blade. Like, it really does. Like, it, obviously, I think it just comes from being, like, six foot six and having that much of, like, a flex on your stick and a lot of these little things like that. But if he can figure out how to do that consistently, there, there might be something here. And I like that he was selected 34th overall in the OHL import draft by the Guelph Storm. I talked to the, the Storm GM, uh, like, out, an hour after they drafted him. And they're really hopeful they can get him over there. They've done, you know, the, the cool thing is um, Alexei Toropchenko, uh, who plays in the NHL right now, he was a six foot six winger who developed with the Guelph Storm. Same coaching staff, same GM, same development team. All that stuff hasn't changed. So they're like, you know, when I'm talking to the GM, he's like, hey, listen, we've had a six foot six winger from Europe come here before and be very successful. And we found a role for him. And, and the way that I was talking, yeah, there, there'd be time in the top six for him, right? There'd be time if he does end up going to the OHL be part of the Guelph Storm and be able to kind of dominate that league. And I, I love it. Like, I, I was thinking about it the other day, and I'm like, you know, the Vancouver Giants are the local team here in the in the CHL for us. And you watch what they did with Fab, with Fabian Lizell, and he was, you know, he puts up the most points he's ever had in the season when he goes to the WHL. Like, even in his J20, J18, like, junior play, yeah, he's putting up a lot of points, but you go to the dub and you actually have, like, an 80-point season, you're like, like, you feel good about yourself, right? Especially as an 18-year-old, you're like, hey, I made a good decision. This is the most points I've ever scored in a hockey season. I think Ulrichson can kind of get that in the dub, in the OHL. And, yeah, I, I think we're seeing more and more Swedes make that move, and I think having a, a high-profile one like Lizell do it, it opens up the door now. And I know that they're going to be in contact with his camp when he gets back to Sweden and, and kind of see if they this is the best option for them. I, I think there's something... You know, there's something there. I would like to see him in the OHL, see what he does, see what he looks like. How does that size come into play in a CHL league? All those type of things are positives if he comes to the uh, to the Guelph Storm next year. I like that idea. But, yeah, the player, 
He's not fast. He's not quick. He's just six foot six, and he's got a long stick and a, and a pretty good shot. Like I, I did think his shot, a couple times, really exploded off the stick. Not every time, but a couple times. And there's enough skill there in puck handling to think, okay, I, I can see why they went after this guy. It was the it was the only real home run swing that they kind of took in the fourth round there when they took three different players. Who, by the way, Ty Mueller, we crapped on him a lot when we said they drafted a twenty year old. I thought he was one of the best forwards uh, throughout camp as well. Like he was probably in my top five. Uh, consistently had two penalty shots in the scrimmage and all in all really good puck handler quick with his hands and a pretty decent shot as well time Mueller was I know he's 20 and the Canucks drafted him I'm still thinking hey, he might have had some better options around there but he, he looked pretty strong at development camp consistently at least back on Ulrichson first of all you can't teach size second of all mm-hmm. he was going hard to the net with his stick on the ice and that's what you want to see that's what you want to see you don't want a perimeter player when you're drafting a guy that big okay uh, I know you want to talk about Christian Fitzgerald, and we'll close out the prospect talk with sure. him, but is there anybody else you want to talk about before we get to Fitzgerald? Because it's a long list of people that were at camp. No, I'll I'll do Fitzgerald here, and then I'll let you handle... I'll, I'll start talking about some of the goalies, and then I'll let you kind of... I know you have something about the goalie system that you want to get into. Uh, but Christian Fitzgerald, we do have a graphic, I believe. Let's get that up there uh, here, Aaron, just so I can uh, figure out the stats. What you like about this guy is with Minnesota Mankato last year, he was very important to their playoff run he had 16 goals and 13 assists on the season this is coming off of a torn labrum quads where's the labrum uh, your leg don't know about that uh but he tore his labrum before the season and then he ends up coming in kind of starting in a fourth line role doesn't get top six opportunity when he does get top six opportunity rips it up for minnesota mankato their coach is moving from mankato to wisconsin next year so fitzgerald's going with him he's a former surrey eagle uh, this is according to uh, Laddie from Halford and Bruff. He said that this uh, that this Fitzgerald kid led the BCHL in scoring during the COVID season. So pretty impressive for him, a former uh, Surrey Eagles player from the great city of Coquitlam Quads. And I think this is the perfect camp invite. This is a player who's going to be one of the top college free agents next season. Hey, come on, Quads. It's a family show. Get that out of here. It's, uh, no, it's his labrum. Yeah. I'm showing you the labrum. Get, it's part of his shoulder. Much. It's like right, uh, right there. Yeah, that's right what there. I thought it was too. Uh, I knew it was in the shoulder. I knew that. Um, but uh, you you watch this player, and it's like he's the perfect camp invite. Local kid, going back to the NCAA, still 21 years old. Young kid, can play some center. I liked him. I thought he was the best forward on day one, and I thought he was probably the best forward on day two throughout the camp. Kind of went a little bit downhill. He didn't show up as, mel- as well in the scrimmage, which was unfortunate because it would have been great for him to really dominate uh, at that scrimmage, kind of put a big stamp on the year for him. But... Tell you what, going back to school, going to be Wisconsin's top line center, power play, penalty kill, all that stuff. One of the top college free agents for sure. So uh, we'll have to see what happens. Aaron in our private chat here. Yes, that's what I thought too, Aaron. It's a kids show here. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. All right, the All right. goalies. I'll start quickly nice. on... Uh, so I'll, I'll be honest. You know I'm uh, I'm a Koskenvo truther, right? You know that. I'm... Uh, Far above the curve on that. I was ahead of people more than you were on C-Laws for sure. Koskenvo didn't love his camp. I didn't think he moved like he did last year. Uh, but I think getting some time to work with Ian Clark, maybe these are certain things to just kind of get some little tips here and there to bring back to Harvard. I just didn't uh, – I wasn't blown away like I was when I saw him at 18 years old last year at development camp. The other goalies, Ty Young, I thought he was. I thought he got better as the camp went on. First couple days, he was getting beat a lot in drills on pretty easy shots. I thought he got better as the as the week went on. And I like his pads. He's got the Rocky Mountains on his pads and his blocker and his glove. Pretty little little cool little thing there. And it looks like it's drawn on with pencil or something. So uh, he's going back to Prince George. Should be their starter next year. I know he took that role in the playoffs. Um, and I know that there was a little bit of a, a battle between him and the uh, and Sawyer Minio because uh, he was with the Thunderbirds last year, uh, and then Young was with the the Cougars. And they got swept, like, in the first round of the WHL final. And I know there's, uh, you know, Ty Young was trying to get it back a little bit here for that sweep. But uh, he ended up, uh, Minio beat him in the shootout, which was kind of funny. Um, but then the big the big guy was Nikita Tolapilo. Like, this dude looks the part, okay? This guy, oh, man, he is all six foot six of them. Like, I, I stood next to him, and he is very tall. He's the tallest player uh, that was at this camp. He's extremely athletic as well. Like, there's, I think there's something here with this guy. And the fact that he's now going to be able to work with Ian Clark as well as uh, Marco Torenius, like, whoo, I, 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 I just, you look at him and it's what, what do you always say? You just watch him move. Like, Tolapilo moves extremely well, man. I don't know what you saw in the game. I think he pitched a shutout in the one period that he played when you were watching, anyways. But yeah, I, I liked him throughout camp. I thought he was the best goalie. Head and shoulders, not just physically, but uh, on the ice as well, above everybody else. I think his movement could become more efficient, and I think that's going to be the name of the game for Tolapilo over the next little bit. He's a little more raw than I thought he was, because like that was my first viewing of him, right? Mm. Um, I think his movement is going to become more efficient, and look, he, he, the proof's in the pudding. We've seen guys like Archer Seelovs. I said the exact same thing about him when he was younger, when he was coming in. Very raw talent, tons of natural abilities, which is what Ian Clark looks for in these goaltenders and what Ian Clark really wants to work with in these goaltenders. I'm curious to see where Tolapilo gets the most time because, look, I, I've, I've given the take for months now that I didn't think the Canucks were going to go get a veteran backup for the NHL level. I thought they were going to roll with Demko, mm. Spencer Martin as your backup, and then if Martin falls or Demko goes down with an injury, you've got Seelovs on an ELC. You can bring them up and down. It doesn't really matter. You can even have them do spot duty if you want. That's going to be a main topic of the article that I'm writing for Canucks Army right now. But back to Tolapilo, you look at the AHL situation, and if your two NHL goaltenders are Thatcher Demko and Spencer Martin, then that leaves Seelovs, Sochenko, and Tolapilo 
as your AHL, not even tandem because it's three of them, your rotation of goaltenders. But I don't think those guys will get rotated, Chris. I want you to think back and to all the listeners, think back to what we saw at the start of the 21-22 season when Michael DiPietro, Spencer Martin, and Archer Seelovs were all down in the AHL. And if you think further back than that, Seelov spent time in the ECHL on loan while DiPietro and Martin were the two goaltenders in Abbotsford. So if they're going to roll with three goaltenders, this is how I see it playing out, Chris. Is Sochenko was a guy, 25 years old. He's going to be either in the AHL or the ECHL. I don't think he's a, he's a guy that could challenge to be the backup. But then again, I thought the exact same thing as Spencer Martin came to the Canucks at a similar age as Sochenko. This is a guy that likes Ian Clark. This is a guy that Ian Clark likes. I'm curious to see, Chris, what happens with Sochenko, but I think it's pretty safe to say that between Tolapilo and Sochenko, the the minutes are going to be very limited to start the year. I think we're going to see Silovs play a ton, and I don't know if we're going to see either Sochenko or Tolapilo play much in that first month, first two months of the AHL season, Chris. I, I'm really curious to see who they go with. No, no, you're shaking your head. This is what happens is they learn in practice the systems and everything no, that they're going to be learning and playing with. That's what happens. Lots, they don't throw these guys in. It doesn't you're happen. You're forgetting something very crucial here. The AHL plays back-to-back nights every week. They're not going to yes. be running C-Loves, you know, 12 right. out of 13 starts where he's starting back-to-back all weekends. Like, yep. because of the AHL schedule, you need to play your backup. You're not going you- – unless you believe your goal – unless you have a goalie the caliber of Dustin Wolf, which, listen, C-Loves maybe takes a step to get close to that. He's not at that right now. You have to play the backup in the AHL. If they're going to play those Wednesday-Friday games and those Wednesday-Sunday games or whatever, they have those in the AHL schedule. So, yes, there are more back-to-backs in the AHL schedule, but it's not every week. You go look at the AHL schedule. They don't do a back-to-back every single week. There are a lot. There are a lot. Probably but 80%, what I'm trying to say, 80% of weeks? I don't I You cut out. What would you say? Like 80% of the weekends are back-to-backs, I'd say. 80% of the AHL. 80. Let's, okay, we'll look at the AHL schedule. We'll figure it out. I'll map it out for you. What I'm trying to say... The point stands that Seelovs is going to be the guy out in Abbotsford, and I don't think, and, you know, okay, let, let's pick one. Let's pick one. It doesn't matter, right? Let's pick a guy. Uh, let's say it's Tolopilo. Okay, Tolopilo is your backup. Okay, Sochenko is probably not playing very much. Sochenko is your backup. Okay, Tolopilo is not playing very much. I don't think they'll put one of those guys in the ECHL. I think it'll be just like what we saw with Martin, DiPietro, and Seelovs down there, where at that point, DiPietro and Seelovs were picking up the bulk of the starts, and Martin made, I think, like three starts over the first two months of the season. That's what we're going to see. We're going to see one guy really them zero in on teaching that guy the technique and all that stuff that they want to learn. But what what interests me about this, Chris, is that it's two new guys. It's two new guys. Mm-hmm. So how are they going to pick who pl- who plays more, right? Like, it's a really interesting situation down in Abbotsford. One thing is clear. It's going to be Seelovs uh, as the starter. I'm just curious how they go about teaching Tolopilo, a prospect they're high on, and Sochenko, who I would say at best – turns into Spencer Martin, who's an NHL backup, right? Like, h- how do you how do you juggle that? Like, which guy doesn't play? Because I don't think they're both going to play. If you, like you yeah. said, you brought up the back-to-back. Sure, Seelovs is still playing the bulk of the game. So who, who's getting the shot, right? I, I don't know. I don't know. I think that it's going to depend if Tolopilo is for sure the backup. If he's not for sure, you know, better than – what's – Sawchenko? 
Sachenko. Yeah, like I, I just I look at I don't see him being more than the fifth goaltender. I can see them keeping him in Abbotsford, like as a third goaltender. I can see Abbotsford having three goalies, but it's going to require Tolopilo being able to at least get one game every week. Right, it's going to be him getting one of those weekend games every single week. If he's not, and he's the third goalie, he'll be down in the ECHL. But they're not going to send Sachenko down to the ECHL. He's he's been around. He's fine. He's fine to sit there and not do anything. The Canucks, there's going to be one of the four goalies in front of him be injured at some point, or whatever is going to happen at some point to these guys. Like you know, that's what I think Sachenko's here. I really just think of him as depth uh, in the organization. I think that's what he's going to be down there in Abbotsford. Like he'll be there. I. I could see them going through the first month and a half of the season and him not getting a start. I can see him backing up some night because we did see that. Uh, you brought up the Spencer Martin, his first little bit here with Abbotsford where he wasn't playing. Like, he would back up some nights. They would give DiPietro a full night off. Like, don't even worry about warm-up. Don't worry about being the backup. Full night off for you. Go enjoy it. Eat some popcorn. Uh, hang out with Jimmy Rutherford. Do all those type of things. But, like, I, I can see that being the situation with Sachenko because I think they want Tolapilo to be able to establish himself as at least, like, the fourth goalie on the depth chart next season. And if he's not able to do that... He he'll be in the ECHL. They won't keep three goalies if if Tolapilo's the third string guy. They'll keep they'll move him down to the ECHL because he needs to play. Uh, but he will play if he's in the backup position, which I project next year because I, I do think that he's going to be the backup in Abbotsford next season. Yeah, I think you're right. I just think Tolapilo's so raw that it'll be interesting to see how they kind of manage that because look, Sachenko and Tolapilo are going to want to learn the techniques and all that sort of stuff that you gain a lot in practice. But you're right, Tolapilo needs to play so. Like you said, uh, if it is Tolapilo as a third string guy, yeah, I could see ECHL being the case. I think what this really means, Chris, is that Spencer Martin is the NHL backup. But the thing I want to do is kind of project the year after that. Spencer Martin's contract is up at the end of this next season. I think by then the Canucks are hoping that Seelovs is ready to be the NHL backup. Maybe at that point, even like a 1A, 1B with Thatcher Demko, but that's shooting really high. Let's just say he's going to be the backup at that point. Sure. I think that's what the Canucks are hoping for. And then by then, I think they're really hoping that Tolapilo can start to establish himself as an AHL starter. Because remember, this guy led the Alsvenskin in save percentage last year. He's already, what, 23? 23 years old? Yeah, 23 years old. So um, they're going to be hoping that he's going to be able to establish himself in the AHL at some point here. Yeah. Okay. That's enough goalie talk. Uh, do you want to get to the poll question? Or do you have anything else? Um, no, I just told Apilo it was it was cool to talk to him. Like you mentioned it, he played he played no other player, no other goalie played forty games last year in the Allsvenskan. Tolopilo played 45, so he's like, you know, <laughs> I keep saying head and shoulders above because like it's it's hard when this guy's like six foot six, six foot seven, but like he was head and shoulders above everybody in the Allsvenskan for goaltender starts as well. So uh, I'm I'm excited to see this guy get a whole offseason. Like, think about it, Quads. Those workouts out in Burnaby, the goalies, they get there early. There's going to be a lot of work done with Tolapilo uh, early on with him and Marco and Ian Clark getting a lot of work. I think the the early stages of work getting done is going to be the pads. Like, I like the black and yellow. It's <laughs> Listen, it's the color. Like, when I played baseball growing up, Nanaimo Pirates, black and yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow. But those pads are not going to – that's not uh, an Ian Clark-approved uh, pad set there. Uh, so you're going to see that be changed very quickly, I think. Yeah, we do know uh, Clarky likes the white pads. Okay, let's get to it. Our poll question brought to you, as always, by the great folks over at Atlas Goods. Go to atlasgds.com. Use promo code CC15. That will get you 15% off your first order of Pop Rinds. These are the best fresh pork rinds straight from your microwave or air fryer. Our poll question today, 
Which sniper do you believe will have a better NHL career? Danila Klimovich, Jonathan Lekaramaki, and as always, I'm angry. Just two options, of course, with I'm angry being the third. 68% of voters saying Jonathan Lekaramaki, 18% say Danila Klimovich, and 14% say they are angry. Chris, I voted Lekaramaki as well. I think he got the higher ceiling, and someone astutely pointed out in the replies to that tweet, Lekaramaki is three months older than Adam Fantilli. Still a lot of development ahead. I'm picking, I'm picking Lekaramaki, and I know Klimovich took strides, and I know Klimovich deserves a ton of credit for putting up the goal total that he did at the age that he's at right now in the AHL. I think he deserves a ton of credit for that. I still think Lekaramaki has the higher ceiling. I think he'll have the better NHL career. Yeah, I think what I wanted to do with this poll question a little bit, it was like I, I'm putting together my prospect rankings, and you know, Lekaramaki should be above Danila Klimovich. But NHL career, like, Size and speed is going to help you. I think Danilo Klimovich, well, I know Danilo Klimovich is bigger. I also think he's probably a better skater than Jonathan LeCaramacchi. He's a little bit, he's not as uh, as honed in, like he's not uh, He's not the perfect example of what you'd want to be showing, but he's fast, man. Like he he has some pace to his game. So I'm, I just was floating this idea, like comparing Klimovich and LeCaramacchi, I also threw Ratu Ratu in there as well to kind of just think about. I, I just... I look at these players and I think like Klimovich's size is really going to help him. And Lekaramaki with his size, he's going to need to be a top six player, right? I can't see him being a bottom six player and contributing at the NHL level consistently. I think you could make an argument and say that Klimovich has a pretty decent chance of just being, he can play on any line if he's able to continue to develop his game, like his two-way game, his defensive play, which took massive steps last year. So I don't know. I'm just putting together my my rankings here, and I think there might be a couple of surprises for people uh, in there. Listen, I've watched every second that Jonathan LeCaramacchi played last year. I've watched every second that Danila Klimovich played last year. And I like I, I really like what Danila Klimovich did more than what Jonathan LeCaramacchi did from watching them play. I know that there's more potential probably, more higher-end potential with LeCaramacchi because he can bring a lot. But at the same time, like, if you know, if you look at Klinovich, is he if he's able to figure out that shot, his shot his shot could be better than Lekaramaki's. Like he's got a he's got a much better one timer, that's for sure. He doesn't have the the kind of more accurate wrist shot right now, but he's got a harder shot. He's got a harder wrist shot, harder slap shot, more accurate slap shot. He doesn't he's not as picky with his shots either. Like Lekaramaki needs the right angle, and he know and he fires a lot of shots from distance, like. Klimovich will go to the net. He's bigger. He's strong. Like I, I think that there's an argument for Klimovich to be a, a better prospect than Lekaramaki, and I know that's kind of wild to say, but like as I'm putting together my rankings here and just thinking back to everything that happened this past season, I know the playoffs were great for Lekaramaki. I know that he had a struggle, a struggle to the start of his season, but Danilo Klimovich took huge steps, huge steps, in not just the points, but just how he played defensively. Like I, I really think. He's put himself in the conversation to be a top three prospect as much as Jonathan LeCaramacchi has. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the thing I tried to quantify at the start was, you know, how do you how do you measure what Klimovich was able to do in the AHL compared to what LeCaramacchi was able, able to do in Alsvenskan? In Al- not not yeah. just in Sweden, in the Alsvenskan, the second tier where some of those teams are getting knocked down to the third tier, which I've heard is comparable to Beer League, right? Like, 
The AHL is a tough league. The AHL is one of the top three leagues in the world. Al Svenskin's mm-hmm. cracking the top ten, right? Like, that's a very different set. Like, where they're playing and producing and putting up numbers, Klimovich had a lot more points in the AHL this season than, than we saw from the Karamaki. So, you know, we'll see what happens here moving forward. I did want to also compare uh, Atu Ratu and Danila Klimovich as well because I think that Ratu is going to be, like, as I'm putting together the rankings here, I don't know, like – I think Ratu being a center is huge. I think that's great for sure. But I really, you didn't see a lot of it in Abbotsford last year, and I think maybe some of that was just getting comfortable in the AHL. You didn't see a ton of stuff from Atu Ratu offensively that got you excited. I thought he was a solid forechecker. I thought he was really good at that uh, this past season. So, yeah, the the prospect rankings that I'm putting together right now, like I've I've changed them every night, it feels like, for the past like five days as I've been trying to put together this top ten. And some of them have, like, some of the days I'll finish a day and I'll look at it before heading to bed, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. This is a, you know, it's, I think it's going to be an interesting, like, I think there's going to be some surprises when I put out my rankings here to some people who, you know, everybody's kind of just thinking, like, oh, it's LeCaramacki, Will Lander, and Seelovs, one, two, three. I'll tell you what, those aren't my top three. Uh, one of those guys is in the top three, maybe two. But um, that's not my, that's not going to be my top three as much as people will look at draft pick and where they were selected and what their projection is. Yeah, I think from watching the players, I have a different view on the prospects, I guess. And we're going to be running those uh, starting tomorrow. We're going to have like our honorable mentions, that sort of stuff running this weekend. Uh, and then it's going to be rolling, rolling next week for the next 10 days, starting Monday, uh, 10 through 1 of the Vancouver Canucks prospects. So we're all looking forward to that. Uh, any odds and ends for you? Or are you ready to go? Um, let's see, odds and ends. No, I think we did enough uh, weird talk with the moose stuff earlier as well. So I think we have enough. Nothing else. Everybody enjoy your weekend. Is anybody uh, gonna get? Uh, you gonna tell the story of Bert here or what? No, poor guy. Don't go to don't go to PetSmart grooming. Oh, That's the what poor I'll say. guy. You got a bad cut. No, I know that too. Well, you know what? It's starting to grow on me a little bit because no, his hair don't. is growing so fast. His okay. hair is growing so fast. Like, it's been three days. So, basically, everybody knows Bert had the beautiful, you know, the locks. He had real curly hair. Oh, beautiful They shaved dog. him. They shaved him. And I, I didn't ask for them to shave him. And don't I don't want to hear anybody say, oh, it's because his hair was matted. I worked so hard and combed him so well. And I literally told them to check for matting before I brought him in. Uh, there was no matting. There was no matting. That's not why they mm. shaved him. I, I'm not getting into it here. It was not uh, it was not a good experience, and we won't be going back to uh, PetSmart grooming. So we'll close it up there. Uh, gonna, I don't know if PetSmart's going to be coming back as a sponsor of the show after that uh, ringing endorsement quad. So let's hope they didn't hear yeah. that. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care. We're not. Uh, we don't want. We don't want their business. They don't want my business. I don't want their business. Dirty, okay, dirty we're, we're going to close money. it up there. No more of that coming in. we'll close it out there everybody enjoy your weekend enjoy the sun stay safe out there folks uh for my co-host chris faber and our technical producer aaron bernardo my name is david quigelli thank you so much for listening to another episode of the canucks conversation i still like PetSmart. thanks for listening to canucks conversation hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode how about keep it to a thank you jim even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.